Jesus lifts up his eyes and looks into the distance and he sees a crowd coming and he, and he looks up to Philip and he says, well, Philip, how are we going to feed these people for them to be satisfied and for them to be filled? And Philip says, no, Lord, the amount of money wouldn't even buy a little for everyone that we would need. But then another brother comes and he says, well, Lord, we have these five loaves of bread and we've got these two fishes. Well, I don't know what we'll do, but this is what we have. And Yeshua smiles and he starts taking and multiplying the bread and the fishes. And everyone, the entire crowd of about 5,000 were fed and filled. It's an amazing miracle. And they were all astonished at him and his teaching. But then he said something that unsettled most of them. He, said, he talked about the bread, the manna that came from heaven. And he says, Moses did not give you manna from heaven. It is only my father who gives you the true bread from the heavens. Now, this was controversial to say the least because Moses the manna from Moses in their minds they understand the manna represents his teaching it represents what what we eat what we take in and Yeshua just Jesus it just seemed like he says Moses is not the one who gave you the true manna my father is giving you the true manna and he goes on and he says, well, Moses, all your ancestors, they all died in the wilderness, even though they ate the manna from heaven. It was a temporary satisfaction. And he connected it with what he just did. He took the loaves of bread. He took the fishes and he multiplied. He did the same miracle. He brought forth where there was none, but it was still a temporary filling a temporary satisfaction, a miracle, none the least, that brought life to everyone who was there. But it was temporary. And he said, well, this is nothing compared to the true bread my father is bringing forth from heaven. And it starts today. And he says the following. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man on the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that anyone might eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And indeed, the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. You see, as Yeshua spoke these words, the scriptures actually say that a multitude, many of the people there were so astonished. They were so distraught by what he was saying. They were so offended that they went, they took their stuff and they left. And the 12 disciples were even there with them. They said, this teaching is so hard. What do you mean by these things? I want to submit to you that those who left were similar to the Pharisees who rejected Yeshua. For they trusted in Moses, the manna, the, the teaching of Moses to be the very thing that saves them. You see, they failed to understand that 
just like their ancestor died in the wilderness, if they only trusted in Moses, they only trusted in the teaching of Moses, they will die in the wilderness too. They will not make it either. Because see, Yeshua was trying to make a big point in the day. He was making the point that the manna in from heaven, when Moses in, in Moses' time when it rained down, the loaves of bread and the fishes that were multiplied, all of this actually just points to him. And he was pointing out the error of how they were actually looking into these things that were supposed to point to him and they weren't seeing him. They weren't seeing the true manna from heaven because they were so fixated on the manna that was only pointing to the true manna. They were trusting in, in, in the wrong thing to save them. Their priorities were wrong. Their understandings were corrupted. And this is what the Pharisees, their downfall was, is they simply had unbelief because they trusted in their own ability to keep the law of Moses in order for them to be saved. Now, don't think that by this I am saying that, that the law of God is not important. What I'm saying, and catch this, is that they were trying to keep it and they thought by their own ability to keep it, they can save themselves. And that was the majority, that was the, the teaching, the understanding of many in that day and that time. And Yeshua is saying, no, you don't understand, do you? you? Just like they died in the wilderness, why did they die? Because of their sin. Because even though they try, try, try day and night to keep the law of God, they were never able and they die and they broke the covenant. What makes you think you're special and different? What makes you think that you will have this differently? And, he's, and he goes and he says, he, he makes the point that you must be filled with the spirit of God. You must be filled with me. You must have been eating of the true bread that comes from heaven. And when you eat of the true bread that comes from heaven, it actually changes you on the inside. And what it does is it gives you a new heart and the ability to keep the actual law of God. Because see, the law of God is written on your heart. But if you think that that law is the very thing that saves you instead of understanding that he needs to change your nature. And that's the thing that saves you. You're misled. You see, it's not your trying that's going to save you. It's not you're trying to do this and that law. It's going to save you. It's going to be the changing of your nature that's going to save you. And the only way that's going to happen is if Jesus comes to change you. You see, brothers and sisters, what if I told you that I don't try to keep the law? You, you, that may sound so weird. It may sound so different. It may sound kind of like what offended this crowd. But see, this is the reality of what he's getting to is I'm not trying to keep the law. I keep the law because I am changed. I keep the law because I love my father. You see, you can have a relationship with a spouse. You can be married to a husband or wife and you have covenant wedding vows that you have agreed to when you decided to marry. But what if you tried to keep those rulings? You try to do things that you that 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 are right and wrong, but you don't have any intimacy with your husband and wife, even despite that. Will that marriage survive? 
even if you try and do all these rulings and all these things, you try and be a good husband, try and be a good wife, but there is zero intimacy. There's zero real actual love. There is zero actual belief. There's zero actual faith. There's zero, zero actual walk, um, 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 sacrifice and all these things. There is actually a misunderstanding of what the heart is behind your covenant vows, what the point is behind them. And then we start, what happens? We start keeping these things. We start doing things for our spouses so that we can appear self-righteous so that we can appear like we're doing them a favor so that we can appear like they owe us something or whatever else, or that, you know, now we're in good standing because we did that instead of, I love you so radically much that I'm not even thinking about these covenant vows anymore because I love you. And because it's sick in nature to me to show my love to you. You see, that's the difference. If you try, you can easily try and keep the law of God and then it becomes a self-righteous thing of, yeah, God, you see what I'm doing here. You see how well I keep the Sabbath. You see how well I uh, don't commit adultery. You see how well I do whatever. And it becomes this thing of, you see, God, now I'm a good servant. See, God, now I'm, you see, you show other people, look how well I'm keeping the commandments. You look how well I'm doing this and that. In in fact, while you're doing all this, you've got zero intimacy with your actual father in heaven. You've never eaten the true manna from heaven. You've only been partaking in the manna that Moses has that actually you'll die in. Because guess what? No matter how hard you try to do all these things to try and keep it, you will die in your wilderness without your Messiah. You will die in your wilderness without understanding that he needs to change your nature. Number one, before anything else will happen or work. And you need to get on your knees and beg him to do that because that's the way that you look like him. It's not by looking at a set of rules laid out by Moses and trying to keep it like that, like a checklist. Because guess what? Yeshua said, you see those things, you see those laws, that's nothing compared to what I expect of you. <laughs> you see, he, was, he said, you've heard, don't commit adultery. That's cute. I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said, don't commit murder. Oh, that's cute too. I tell you that if you call your brother a fool, you have committed murder. How? You see, now now it's not just about keeping even just the law, looking at that. That's not enough. It's not enough. That was like basic 101. Yeshua comes and he says, I call you to a higher standard. But guess what? You're not going to achieve that standard by reading a, a set of rules and just trying to do that by your own ability, your own trying. No, you're going to do it because I change your nature. Now, listen, I'm not saying don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't read our Bible and we don't look do these things and we don't ch- see how it changes our, us from the inside out. And we don't try and walk like he did because he did keep his com- the father's commandments and we ought to do that too. But if we get stuck there and think that's the finish line, we're just as bad as the Pharisees. And if we get stuck there and we think that's how we're going to get saved we're just as bad as the pharisees if we get stuck there and we we try and use that to bolster our righteousness or holiness or set apartness or anything like that we're just as bad as the pharisees you need to understand your your works are like filthy rags before god even your good and oftentimes our best um works are like filthy rags yeah you go out to feed the poor on the streets praise god but why did you go and do it Did you do it to be seen by others or did you do it when no one was looking? Did you do it to simply appear more righteous to someone else or even the guy you're feeding? 
Or did you purely do it from a pure heart because you love your Messiah and this person who's in front of you? You see, the law say, my side, feed the orphan. Yeshua says, what's going on your, what is going on in your heart while you're doing it? And so, brothers and sisters, this just comes down to, I'm not saying that we shouldn't keep his instructions. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying is stop trying yourself when he's supposed to do the work in you to change you so you can do that work in him. So you can do the works he's prepared for you. You see, what happens is when he changes your nature, you're not going to be perfect from day one. There's going to be things that you're going to work through. In Acts 15, we read about how the, the, the apostles came to these pagans and they said, yeah, you guys are struggling with a lot of stuff. You're drinking blood. You've got sacrifice to idols, sexual immorality, all these things. Sort these things out first and then we'll talk about the rest later. Because see, he understood that their natures needed to change first. They had to do these basic things first so they can start looking more like him. And then they knew that the Holy Spirit will come in communion with the word, in communion with them hearing the law of God, in communion with all that. Their nature will be changed. They were convicted step by step to become more like Yeshua. It wasn't about plucking a set of rules on their tables and saying you need to keep all this, guys. Otherwise, you're never going to make it. and you're, Otherwise, you're not saved. You see, that's not what it's about. It's not how it works, because those people who think that's how they're going to get saved are the very ones who are not. Those are the very ones who have no trust in a Messiah and they've got pride because they think they're more righteous than they actually are. They think they're more sinless than they actually are. Because, brothers, let's be real today. We all have a multitude of sins and we all have multitudes of, of, of problems and issues. But what we need to realize is that we submit ourselves to God. And yes, um, uh, we repent. We continuously say, God, make me more like you. God, change my nature. God, make me more like you. And we repent and we change. We, we turn away from our ways as he corrects us. And as we discover our wrong ways. But we trust in him to change us. So we don't do it again. Because see, brothers and sisters, if you keep looking at your sin, you keep looking at what you do wrong. And that's all you're ever looking at. You're not looking at your Messiah. And guess what? It's not looking at a rule that's going to stop you from doing it. It's a looking at your Messiah so that his glory can emanate onto you so that you're so overwhelmed by his holiness that you have no other thing to do. You have, you have no choice but to continue and walk in that holiness that you see in him. But if you just look at your sin, guess what? You're going to imitate that. If you just look at what you can't do, it's like having a cookie jar on the table and asking a kid not to touch it. Of course, he's going to eat the cookies. That's how we are. That's how we are. That's how our flesh works. And these people were living in their flesh. They forgot that they're going to eat those cookies because it's right there on the table. But if you look at your master, you look at his holiness, you look at what he does, how he never touches those cookies, how he never touches the things that his flesh desires. And you see the glory, you see the holiness, you see the majesty, you have an actual relationship, an actual intimacy with him, like with that spouse. Now, because you love him, you're not going to partake in things that he doesn't want you to do. And so, like I mentioned, the vows of a marriage is not the thing that, it, that is the substance of the marriage. 
It is only the thing that protects the intimacy of the marriage. The intimacy must be there in the beginning and then the rulings and the vows and the promises and all these other things are like like a hedge of protection around that intimacy so that things don't go wrong. But if you just do the rules, but you have no intimacy with God, you are as bad as anyone else. And this is what Yeshua is talking about. He's saying you have the rules, you have these things. Great. That's great. And he's not speaking against Moses. He's not saying those things are unimportant. He's not saying it's abolished. He's not saying any of that. But he's coming to the point where he says, you've got all this manner and you've got all the rulings, but you forget and you don't understand what it points to. And it points to me, the true manner from heaven. Partake in me and you will live forever. If you partake without me, you will die in your sin. You will die in your wilderness. You see, brothers and sisters, many religious men have uh, an appearance of righteousness, but they lack the power uh, thereof because they don't have they're not plugged into the one the power comes from. They're not they don't have intimacy. They don't have true relationship. Listen, you can keep as many laws as you want, but if you don't go into your bedroom, you close the door and you have intimacy with God every day, it means nothing. Did you hear me? It means nothing. It means nothing to keep anything. If you don't have that intimate relationship with Yeshua, if he doesn't know you, like when you, if he shows up here right now, would he say, oh, I know you. I've seen you in your secret place. I've seen you when you came to my feet. I've seen you kiss my feet. I've seen you come and feed my the poor, the widow, the orphan. I have seen you try your best to walk as me. But if you're just trying to keep all these things, but he doesn't even know you. He will be commanding you to depart because you're a worker of lawlessness, because you can't keep the law without him. You can't do it without that relationship with him. You can fool yourself into thinking you are like the Pharisees did. They thought they're really righteous and perfect. But Yeshua said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven because he understood that you need a relationship with him. If you really want to have a changed nature that has any chance of actually keeping his instructions and getting free from sin. And so go and repent from your sins. Go read your Bible and keep what it says. Keep the instruction of your father. But don't forget the most important thing of it all. That the spirit of God must indwell in you and change your nature. And you must have a relationship with God. Because if that is not in your life, then you will be worse off than the worst sinner of them all. You see, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you the question of what was the problem of Judas? Judas was there and he was around Yeshua, Jesus himself. He was very aware of the laws of God. He was very much in tune with the teachings. He was he he was in all the works. He was all in all the religious stuff. He even went out and, and prayed for people. He even went out and he, like I said, he dined with Jesus. What more can you ask for? But see, it was all a face. It was all an appearance of religious works because to the root, when you look at Judas's heart he and Yeshua, Jesus knew this very well. Judas had no real relationship with his Messiah, even if they lived under the same roof for days, even though they were around each other all the time. He had no true relationship and love for his God and Messiah. And that's why he betrayed him. See, it's, it's about do you go out of your way? to go and surround yourself with his glory or are you only there because that's the thing that 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 looks good because that's the thing that peer pressure says you need to look like because that's the thing that makes the world think you're all righteous and holy because that's the thing that makes you hang out with this great guy that we call our messiah 
You see, it was, it's much more than that appearance. It is, do you actually really have Elisha? Because God is not fooled and God sees you when no one else does. I hope this teaching blessed and encouraged you. May God bless you and keep you. And I pray that he may change your nature and you seek his face every day so you can look more like him. And by nature, it starts becoming a thing where you don't try, try, try anymore. But it's this thing of, I just want to because I love him. Shalom and blessings.